So hey, I'm Michael. Um, oh, there we go. Um, so for some reason, I always add this slide at the start of my uh, talks when I can't find a way to sandwich them like into the deck somewhere. So um, there are two things that I want to start with. Um, I want to start with the fact by saying that um, anything that I will be talking about was worked on by a team of like hundreds of people that are all tremendous like individuals, and so this is not just me, so please think about this as like a really big effort. Um, and the examples that I'll be talking about are drastically simplified. So um, I don't want to have to take you on a six month ride into like the land of like how to build a search product. And so I hope that this resonates well. So thanks everybody for being here. Uh, my name is Michael. Um, for the last dozen years, um, I've actually been deeply fascinated with how we make design decisions, um, and specifically like how we make design and product decisions in a very meaningful way. Um, so to give you a sense of context, I'll like do the whole this is me thing, this is me, I'm a designer, uh, this is why I need a black and white photo, it needs to look really fucking cool. Um, but so you must be wondering, you're a designer, you're on a growth stage, like what the fuck are you doing here? So um, you're talking about metrics. Well. One of the things that I did very early on in my career was um, I was making design work and it wasn't good. It was really bad. And so what I really wanted to do was figure out um, if I make something come alive, if I learn how to program, I'll be a better designer. So I did that. Um, that was kind of like my path towards like a couple of the things that I did uh, further on in my career. But as I was going through the paces, um, and as I landed in San Francisco, I realized that data is a really uh, integral part of our job. And so learning about data science as a designer kind of gives you these like superpowers. Um, and so like, you know, everyone is like, really excited, like a data scientist is like, oh my god, a designer that's interested in my work. Um, but then you take that and you do that. And that doesn't really help them. Um, so my current job is, um, as was already um, introduced, I'm a product designer at Facebook, um, and I currently focus on privacy and data use which it's the perfect time to work on this, isn't it, right? Um, and so this means that my day-to-day -day is probably not what you would classically like, think of as like, a design job. I do a lot of auditing work. I ask a lot of questions. Um, I try to s oversimplify things and then have people from policy tell me that that's impossible. Um, and, but I try and give like, a lot of suggestions and guidance and, and get everyone in the room, like, give everyone in the room a voice and make sure that we combine everyone's talents into a product. And so. Um, if that is not a lot of design execution, then all of these jobs that I worked on at Facebook as well weren't necessarily like actual design work. Um, now don't get me wrong, they all need a lot of design work, but I'm kind of here to stretch the, the definition of what it means to be a designer. Um, and this is why I want to talk today about product decision making, like design decision making. And there's one question that I've always asked myself and I realize not enough people ask themselves, which is how do you know if you are doing the right thing? It's very easy to make a quick call based on vision, but sometimes we want to add something. So sometimes we do research, and sometimes we look at metrics, and sometimes these things don't align, and then we decide to go with it anyway. Um, sometimes our vision and, and, the, and the numbers don't add up. And, or sometimes we just blindly follow these numbers. And I don't think that any of these scenarios are necessarily a good, a good scenario to follow. And so I found that in these, in, these, in these scenarios where you're in a meeting room 
and everyone is saying, well, the data looks like this, the research looks like that, our vision is to do this. Um, it's really important to have a framework to focus the conversation. And so I like to use the framework of opinion, research, and data. And this is kind of what it looks like in my, in my head, um, and I'm going to try and explain this as good as possible. Um, so the logic works, if one offsets the other, you're probably barking up the wrong tree. So if your metrics and your research don't align, then you should probably find a different way to go about it. You can vet the metrics, you can vet the research, but still, like, generally you're not going in the right direction. If two of these match up, it's probably time to figure out if the third one should align or does align. So in case you have research and data that aligns, but the vision of your company is to go in the opposite direction, you should probably have a hard conversation with the people around you. But if, they all, th if all three of them match up, it's not a silver bullet. It's probably the right direction to go. So this is not a, a hard and fast rule, but it is a way to like, resolve a lot of ambiguity in the discussions that you make when you evolve your products. Um, so I want to kind of take a little step back in time to see how I got here. So in 2011, I started working at Instagram. And at this time, Instagram had a really long way to go feature-wise. Um, the company was fortunate enough to have found product market fit. Um, but for the next couple of years, we were just in this additive stage of adding feature after feature after feature. And this was solely based on opinion and research. Opinion from the vision of leadership that was shared with a very small team, like the team was very delicate in its hiring, and so when we eventually got to Facebook, it was still only 16 people. Um, and the research was based on this connection that we had with our community team. We weren't even, we didn't have a UX researcher, but we had such a strong uh, direct line to the active people in our community that we were taking photos, that had questions for us, that were using different apps, and we would just have all of these very direct interactions with them. And this was a model that worked very well for the first couple of years, but eventually it needed to evolve in which, into a spot where we started including data. And as soon as we started doing that, a lot of my fascination came with, like, how do you make a decision based on data? Like, there's obviously the technical aspects of this, but how do you include data in your daily or your weekly decision making? And um, at that time, an opportunity came along um, inside of Facebook um, for me to join the search team. And this was a team that notoriously was very good at working with data, but might not have necessarily had a very strong vision or a deep connection with the user base. So when I started working on the search team, this was in a very, very interesting spot. We had launched graph search. It hadn't really done that well, but we truly believed that we should make a search engine here. Um, and in a way, this team was the polar opposite of Instagram. So Instagram you know, launches, super awesome. Unicorns, rainbows, everything was additive. Everybody loved you. Um, but search was this incumbent product, and it's basically a part of infrastructure. And so when you work on an incumbent product that is a deeply ingrained piece of infrastructure or any kind of utility, it's super vital to not negatively affect people's experiences. So in this case, search was very effective at helping you navigate to friends, pages, businesses, um, groups, but it wasn't effective at letting you explore the network and really unlock what we believe was the value inside of Facebook. And so you're a designer, you join this team, you think, this is my job. My job is to redesign a search product. Um, but when you get asked to redesign a, like the whole search product, you're not necessarily asked to redesign one product. Your, your one solution will not solve this. And so you're in a hard space to make product changes, and it's not just one solution. You're building a search engine. And so 
while this might seem a little like, oh yeah, he's telling a story about how you do this thing, this was the reality of the situation, right? So what does it mean to have a holistic design approach in, when building a search engine? There is no playbook for this. Um, like, how do you even start working on this? Like, where are you going to start? You know? um, and so it took some time to like, start under understanding the gravity of the situation. With many of the things that all of us in the room make, we probably have these same feelings all the time. So you won't just dramatically improve a product by making a weather widget. Everybody loves to make weather apps. Um, everybody loves to make to-do list apps. Um, or you won't really make it a lot better by making like a TV show movie experience. It's super cool, like super visual, awesome design, shiny things. Um, but it's very tempting as a designer to just, or as like any kind of product maker, to just like start being generative. Yeah, we're going to do a weather widget. We're going to do a movie widget. We're going to do a la like breaking news widget. All this kind of stuff. Um, and so you know, you can try, and you can try a lot, um, and then when you've done that for a while, you start asking yourself these questions, like how do I know if I'm doing the right thing? And so to evolve a complex utility like this in a, very, in a meaningful and healthy way, it's, it's important to have this framework of constant, like consistent decision making. Because when you build a utility like this, it's not like you do a launch and everybody loves you and you can talk about it concretely. No, people notice you when you fuck up. There's no... There's no, there's no way of winning. Your, your job is when you do it well that nobody notices that you were even there. And so to bring back this slide, um, when I talk about opinion, I talk about vision and leadership. Your team needs to have a narrative. It needs to have some kind of north star that it's working towards. This could be a prototype. It could be a like, slideshow. It could be a movie, whatever. Um, the research of the equation is empathy. So you need to research to understand an audience, and so for us this was a vast audience of over a billion people doing any and all kinds of searches, which got to over a billion searches. Um, and then data is understanding the system. I think we often think as, of data as like a decision maker, but it's, for us it's very much about figuring out how does this end-to-end -end work. And so you start digging. We knew that people were looking for posts they had seen in Newsfeed before. Not because we already had a product that they could do it in, but we knew through UX research and through like kind of these secondary um, takeaways from research that people would go to someone's profile, they would scroll around, they would find a thing that they saw before. Um, but we obviously, because we didn't have a product, have the data to support this. But we did have an opinion. The hard opinion that we had was, we believe that there's great value in the content that millions of people have gathered onto this platform, and therefore we should build a full-fledged search engine. And so this is where the drastic oversimplification comes in, because I'm going to run through two things really fast, because I see that clock and it's making me really nervous. Um, one, we introduced keywords into the type ahead. So this, this space where you would normally go and like, type M-A-Y, K-E-L, would see my name pop up, tap on uh, my row, and then would go to, the, to my profile. We, added, we wanted to add keywords in there, because we wanted to unlock the search engine that we had been technically building for a while. And then two, we eventually needed to simplify this. So the goal of adding these keywords was to add the ability to search for posts, either publicly or from your friends, without negatively impacting the current ecosystem. And so you get to look at this. And so you're a designer and you're like, one screen. You get to change one screen. And it's one type of row. And it's kind of weird. 
Um, and so this very optimized surface, they ask you, you know, stuff some more in there. Like, you'll figure it out. So you're on this one screen. But when you start teasing it apart, you start asking some questions. How much does latency impact this experience? This has nothing to do with how the screen looks. How many characters do people enter on average? Or what, how, is it, what is the, um, how is it split out? So like, is it three, four, five? What do people do the most? What kind of suggestions do they tap on? What was the location of the suggestion? It shows you like, how good your ranking is. Do people on average tap on location number one? Um, and why do we believe they tap the suggestion? Is it because it's a friend? Is it because this is something that they were looking for? Or were they in like, kind of a discovery mode? And so after we found these answers, we basically boiled it down to two main things. One, we had a guideline. Cannot regress on latency. We had done a lot of experiments before that we looked at all of the outcomes. And we saw that if we regress on latency, anything that we test, any ranking change we make, anything we add, it's completely irrelevant. It's completely false. And two, um, if we show close to an equal amount of what we call entities, so these are the entities of the graph, people, places, pages, groups, events, um, we may actually get there without having too much negative impact. And this is where the generative part comes in. So we tested a lot of different things um, to figure out what the optimal trade-off was. So it was like two keywords on top, three at the bottom, three on top, one on top, trying to just like kind of figure it out, make it dynamic. Um, and we tested many different iterations just to make sure that we weren't negatively affecting an experience that people had over a billion times a day. So we decided to go with three keywords on top. And I'll tell you the, the specifics behind this. One, our opinion was we needed to do this. Two, research showed that people were trying to do this. And so as soon as we gave them access to this, they actually started using it. And three, we could actually do this without negatively affecting the current use case. There was just a minor regression in like, what people were doing. And this kind of looks like the standard growth playbook. That was the, that was the playbook that we were running. But we couldn't just focus on pumping up the one specific number. It wasn't about we need to grow volume. It wasn't about we need to increase click-through and all this kind of stuff. So why I'm actually here is to tell you that we, we use a suite of metrics. So we use our opinion that we needed to build a search engine, the research that people were actually doing it, and then we actually needed a list of things to help us figure out if this was the right call. Just click volume, we would have optimized for people to actually make mistakes. So if I look for my first name, and um, you don't find me the first time, and you click through to the results page, and you go back and you get another click because the first one was wrong, that is not how you build a high-quality product. Click-through is the same thing. Like, if we show you a bunch of crap, you're going to click through, and the click-through rate will be out of, uh, out of the roof. And so we combined both the amount of time that, the amount of sessions that people did and the length of the session with if they had click-through and how many results were put in front of them before they made a decision. And so this allowed us to make a high-quality decision based on the fact that we believe that we needed to build this product, but not negatively impact people's day-to-day -day, like, quality of life of using this product. And so this was a really big step forward. We got to launch, I'm going to go one back. We got to launch that experience and we got to see what people were searching for all of a sudden, which gave us tremendous insight into what this product could be. But there was a problem with this. Because we were serving more intense and because we actually had added more rows into this view, we had started increasing cognitive load for people. And as designers, we always had this North Star idea of like, well, if you're a search engine, you should just have text 
auto suggestions like Google's a search engine, Bing's a search engine, they all just use text anyway. And so we started the effort to simplify what it meant to, be ser to search on Facebook. So we put together a prototype and we went to New York and we um, tested it on I think somewhere around 20 people, two days. And the first person gets it put in front of them, so it's like a full working Facebook app with just hacked together some stuff. And they're looking for their son. And they put in the first three characters, they find the name, they tap on the row, and they hadn't even noticed anything had changed. And so there's a dozen people in the back room clapping because when you do the job right, no one notices you were there. And so we knew that we wanted to go from what was on the left here to what is on the right. We wanted to move from a directory navigation and discovery product to a true general purpose search engine. So people understood what was happening. They understood that this was still a search engine. They understood what they could do. And the goal now is to move to plain text suggestions. And this is where data comes in. Because our opinion was that this needed to happen. Research showed that people could do this and that they understood what was happening. And in no way, shape, or form could we make one single test that could show us that, that we could green light this product. So this is a very, very complicated scenario. So we had a bunch of questions. How do you combine these things? You need to make a new ranking model. You need to make a whole new like, search suggestion model. Um, how will this affect volume? Like people are doing this over a billion times a day. Will it add 100 million? Will it remove 100 million? We have no idea. How much does adding a click affect anything? So if you're looking for someone, if you're looking for me, M-A-Y-K-E-L, you see my name, you click on it, you still have to click on it on the results page because you're getting pushed to a results page now. Um, and how do we, this is the most important one, how do we measure this as an apples to apples comparison? How do we make sure that any kind of decision that we make is purely based on the fact that we know that a one over here is a one over there? So this is kind of like, we're going to expand our suite of metrics. Um, we use exactly what we used before, but we needed to make sure that the technical sanity of the system was intact. So if I showed up on if we were like besties and I would show up in the first slot in the old experience, I need to make sure that I showed up in the first slot of, of the second experience. And so we had this great map of like possible scenarios. We're friends, we're friend of friends, we're not friends, but we live in the same city, all this kind of stuff. What, what is the um, ratio and what is the precision of like this experience compared to the, new, to, uh, the previous experience? Because we needed these systems to act the same to make the right call. And so eventually, this is what I want to go back to. I want to say, okay, so data is either the source or it's the validator. We should never blindly follow what data tells us. Like, we were able to eventually launch this thing because we believed we needed to build it. We saw that people understood what we were building and we needed to make sure that the data was for us this validation and kind of this um, making sure that the lights weren't going to go out on the, on the back end if we would actually like, start launching this kind of stuff. So don't ever follow data blindly. It can be fundamental to creating hypotheses, but when you define goals, you should make sure that you, you define metrics that are aligned with the vision of your company. And if your vision and if research don't match up, or if your data and your research don't up, add up, make sure that you keep yourself honest. If 
data shows that you should launch a thing, but research shows that you, sh that you shouldn't, make sure to keep yourself honest as well. If the numbers are wrong, or we are interpreting the numbers in the wrong way, don't launch a thing. We're, we're, not, we're not ready here. And so, one of the final things that I actually want to land on is this, this whole notion of inclu inclusivity, like, I'm a designer, <laughs> and by learning to, even this, the most rudimentary, like that baby, that baby gif that you saw of like the lasers flying around, that was me in like 2014. And the amount of questions that I had to ask my data scientists, I've started feeling more and more sorry every time that I would go back to them. But I was able to play a meaningful role in this process because they were inclusive to actually like bringing me along on their path. This is not just, it's not just their job to like show me what outcomes they have. And I could have never done that without their help because this is how we decided to cultivate how we solve problems. This is where we make sure we don't make mistakes. As a designer, I had very specific opinions about the metrics that we were looking at. And that was very helpful for them to realize, oh yeah, like we're, we might be doing this like in a very sane, academic, awesome way, but this might actually not be what people are experiencing. And I want to leave you with one thing, because I'm one minute over. Um, I believe that this is everybody's job. That's the reason that I actually like stood on this stage. Like data, opinion, and research is both a data scientist's job, it's both a engineering's, an engineer's job, it's leadership's job to sanity check anything and everything that you come up with and try to start pushing and evolving on. And it's a design job. As designers, we should be comfortable with data, we should be comfortable creating decisions in a consistent way, and we should not be scared of what is put in front of us. Thank you. <laughs>